0: All right, Justin, we're back for another one, and we're gonna continue down the cycle here, talking about the private markets. Uh, we've started thirty thousand foot level, really you know, talking about why you would want to be invested in the private market space and, and specifically venture capital. And we've kind of gone down the chain here and we've gotten all the way to this point of, for clients listening, talking a little bit about, you know, how do we actually come up with the portfolio? So we've talked about wanting to be persistently in the market. We want a very diversified approach. We think that that makes sense over time. But when we start to get to the nuts and bolts, I would love to just unpack a little bit, you know, year in and year out, we make an allocation. So when we start the year, we start the year with a certain amount of money. How do we look at actually building out that year's portfolio from number of positions that should be in there? Maybe even as you think through different types of funds that we're going to include to get that diversification. Um, So... Let's start with hey, we got a certain dollar amount. Where do you even start with starting to construct the portfolio?
1: Well, we start high level. How much do we want in early stage exposure? How much do we want later stage? Do we reserve anything for directs? Those are those are checks written directly to a company colloquially called directs in the in in the business, I guess. So that's really the starting place and where we Land there is, and we touched on this, is an f- emphasis on the earlier stage, specifically seed stage investing. The big reason there is it has the high ex- expected return within the asset class overall. Venture, as a, as a large asset class, in aggregate has the high expected returns. When you slice and dice that by stage, you start to see, oh, well, the seed part of it has even higher expected returns. There's trade-offs to that, as, as everyone mm-hmm. can probably guess. That, you know, risk and return are related. So we want to emphasize there, but we're not you know, putting our entire stack of chips in, if you will. So what that actually looks like in principle, and this is reassessed each and every year, but speaking for for 2023 here. 60 to 70% of our our vehicle will be in early stage. Again, that's gonna be seed focus, but getting a little granular here, there will be some pre-seed checks within that. Uh, Those are just small checks by nature, but there will be some exposure on that really early side of the the spectrum. But then also on the uh, Series A side of things, you put it all together, the early stage focus will be largely seed exposure on average. Again, that, that's by design. We want, we want to get that exposure to the highest expected returns, but we wanna do so in a thoughtful, diversified way. So we're gonna hold roughly 10 to 12 different positions in venture funds with that general focus to get that broad diversification. Uh, so that's where we start.
0: I think that makes a lot of sense and maybe an analogy for those listening, because this should be pretty familiar, but it's a lot like sports and we'll choose baseball. When you think about a seed position, right, we're thinking about the draft and we're looking at it and saying, hey, you know what, we're willing to take a chance early. We think there's projection here, but we all know that, you know, in the baseball draft, even first rounders, only 50 percent become meaningful at that point. Right. So we want to build our farm system we want to build for the future because we also know that you know if we pay a seed stage a draft pick a few million dollars they may provide you know 10x the value throughout their career and so we're we're kind of getting in cheaply at that point potentially whereas you go along the cycle right we're we still want to invest in our players that have performed to a certain extent right so we're willing to put maybe at a lower valuation, but we want some money in those pre-ARB type players. And then at the end of the day, right, you get to the end of free agency and that's where you start to have to pay public or uh, actual value, fair market value. And so we don't want our venture portfolio to be paying fair market value uh, at some stage. So really kind of think about it. You guys listening in that way. We're we're investing along the spectrum of things. And then you just reference pre-seed. That's your later round draft pick. We all know him, right? Mike Piazza. He was 62nd (laughs) round. Like everyone. We still want to take shots there. There might be some reason for it. Very minimal positions, very low signing bonuses, right? Uh, but you may have an outsized return. We've all are been pretty familiar with those those players that have had success. So I think as you start to, as we talk about these terms and everything, think about it in a language that you know, think about it in sports, because uh, there's a lot of, of kind of side side by side to that. Well, so you build out this portfolio, you want 10 to 12 funds. You know, A question I often get is we start start to put money in for the year is, hey, okay, what are the 10 to 12 funds? So maybe talk through your process there. Do we know the funds when we actually start? How do we determine them? When do we know, et cetera?
1: So uh, it depends, I guess, is, is the, the answer, which is an answer everyone hates, me included, but it truly does. And, and this is the nature of private markets, not just venture specifically. When we're in the market to deploy, doesn't necessarily always line up with our top, picks so the funds we've built relationships with that we really like they've proven themselves etc They might not be raising a fund this year. Typically, a a venture capital and private equity manager will raise a new fund every two to three years. That's certainly changing a little bit in the marketplace. It was a little bit uh, quicker than that you know, in the 2020 to 2022 timeframe. Now it's slowing down a bit. People are having a harder time fundraising, which is great for us because we're always in the market. So to give some specifics and details, we do have a list of managers we've partnered with in the past that we like, that they've proven themselves, and we want to partner with them again when they're going back to market. That may be this year, that may not be, and that's part of the systematic process that we are gonna get exposure to them over time. But there's uh, an element of that list that is either not raising or someone who's going to fall off. They didn't necessarily prove they're now they've changed their thesis. Now they want to raise a gigantic fund or they're investing in series B all of a sudden. Right. Then they fall off our list or not really. Uh, fulfilling the the reason why we hired them in the first place and that's where just the constant kind of market uh, participation the networking re- networking relationship building etc really comes in in handy and not only is it to replace uh, a manager that may fall off but it is also to say well are we constantly getting exposure to the best right so venture and private markets in general it's an ever evolving very dynamic world and so the the 10 to 12 funds that we'll have exposure to i'd say a, a good chunk of them are known but there's a there's close to you know 20 or let's call it 30 to 40% that's dynamic each and every year and and i might meet someone who i don't even know is fundraising right now but i'll meet them in a couple months and we can then still make a commitment to them the flexibility is nice but it is it is uh um, also a challenge i guess
0: yeah and i think that's an important thing to hit on is you know this is why we spend so much time in this environment and doing the due diligence i think we've referenced it before but last year you reviewed north of a hundred different funds why we continue to go through that process and you go through year in and year out is because the the market does evolve and you also have opportunities where seemingly unknown uh, funds pop up uh, maybe it's their first vintage right but you have to really get under the hood to see if that is really their first vintage so you know there is uh in a, a fund that we allocate to in this current fund and when you look on the surface it looks like it's her fir- fir- first fund you know she's new to the entrance but you unpack it a little bit and you see, oh, she actually had experience at Kostla and experience at Andreessen. And right. you start to see, actually, there is a lot of investing experience here that you can start to put together different things. So, you know, it doesn't it's not always what it looks like on the surface. You have to actually dig under it. And then you also have to figure out, you know, were you really the investor on those opportunities at those previous funds? So I think I just bring this up because, you know, a lot of times when we even have clients that, that go up to the valley, get exposed to this. It, it seems easy, right? You you understand who these funds are, but it is a constant process to really evaluate who we want to include on a year-in and in, year-out basis.
1: Uh, it's it's never-ending and it's exciting. It, it, yeah. it's, it's, I use the word dynamic. You said constant and it's true. And as funds are successful, they typically get this creep in size and you know I think we've talked about the large funds versus small funds how smaller funds typically outperform so that's another dynamic that we're always paying attention to in addition to new entrants into the marketplace and it is ever changing it I a. I was at a conference actually yesterday and the topic of creative destruction came up quite a bit and not only is venture as an asset class really playing and participating in that in that idea within the global or broader economy but within venture itself there's also a constant creative destruction of the incumbents kind of getting big and and that's not a bad thing in in its own right we Mm -hmm. do want some exposure to that but they're not going to 10x a fund right if you're raising a billion dollars it's going to be very very difficult but they have a very defined process and you're gonna get a little bit more predictability. So we do want exposure there. So the new entrants do challenge them. It's where you can get higher uh, expected returns, higher alpha, but you wanna do it in a thoughtful way through our diligence, through, through really looking under the hood, all those things that you highlighted.
0: And I would say maybe we can wrap up with a quick comment on this, but you brought up expected returns and that's something we give a lot of thought to, right? It's it's why we come up with the allocation to early stage, uh, why we're willing to go slightly later stage. As you can imagine, as I referenced earlier, your expected return of a little bit later stage probably comes down a little bit but your time frame's shorter so there are all these trade-offs so maybe just quickly justin talk about you know when we put together this fund are we targeting you know a range of expected outcome and that's a blend of what we put together how do you think through liquidity and that type of stuff
1: yes uh the short answer is it's it ends up being a range of what's uh, the sum of the parts are right so on the earlier stage side you're expecting a much higher multiple on your invested capital there it's going to be a longer time frame to see that so think you know roughly seven years if you will seven to ten years maybe on the earlier stage side of things and the multiple there maybe uh four to six x on your money the later stage more established managers you're going to probably cut that in half two to three times but it's going to be a shorter path to liquidity. And you have a little bit more confidence around that that multiple, around that, that rate of return. You combine those two things together, we're expecting to outperform venture as a whole. We're not expecting to perform perfectly in line with 100% seed exposure, as you can imagine, because we're not uh, allocating 100% there, but it gives us a good blend of higher expected returns with a shorter path to liquidity which we like we like money coming back so you can continue to invest it in future vintages or use it to to support your priorities if you need to
0: well that's great hopefully this has been helpful for everybody listening just a little bit of a peek under the hood to how we actually think about constructing the portfolio you know Hopefully the theme you're taking away is we're very systematic, we're very thoughtful in our due diligence, very thorough. And when I say we, Justin and his team are pretty much heading this whole whole process up. But it gives us a lot of confidence that when we make these recommendations to you and we're building that multi-generational wealth that this is an allocation we can all feel really good about. So, and until next time, own your wealth, make an impact and always be a pro.